Hello, I'm Joshua Grinsberg. And I'm Jacob Friedman. And this is Gen Zers Talk Politics. This is a podcast where two members of the next generation of American adults talk about what's going on in the world. This is not just teen angst. We might throw in a half-baked joke or two. Okay, so we got four stories for you today. We have one about the defund the police rallying cry. We have the new sanctions on the International Criminal Court officials. We have private companies temporarily stopping selling their facial recognition technology to police. And we also have the Trump administration removing special protections for transgender patients who are on private health care. So for our first story of the day, defund the police. The phrase is garnering, garnering so much controversy because no one can really agree on what it means. It, it, more, it either means to a lot of establishment Democrats, Republicans, independents, it, uh, defund the police means completely stripping away funding for all police departments and firing all officers and total anarchy. Other opinions range from John Oliver's opinion of defund the police, which is really um, something what Camden, New Jersey did, which is basically rework the police department into not not having to span all social services, basically mental health and child services and um, other other more um, situations that some say will, will be better off not with not having police deal with it, but having social workers deal with. Basically, we would we would have we would have social workers, not police do it because police are not specifically trained to go in those situations. And so really, the, whatever funding, whatever tools, whatever uh, the police get would be diverted to increasing mental health resources, Jacob, increasing child. Do you think that the, that, the, that, you know, the federal government in Washington, D.C. would altogether support a movement to defund police all over the country? I mean... It really comes down to this. Not only is this phrase, is the actual idea confusing as it's not consistent in and of itself, but the actual word defund is a uniquely horrible political strategy. One thing we, I, I just don't understand is that progressive, progressives seem to not understand what American politics is about. I'm not talking about policy. I'm talking about branding because America loves branding. They love big brands. They love the spectacle. They love the um, the thing on the outside. And so, when you have when you ha- and choosing words carefully matters. And so, when you have defund the police, when a large segment of the population is is not gonna take is gonna take that not gonna take that as um, we working what we mean by policing instead and just completely um, disbanding the entire police department and not having any law enforcement. So then there's something wrong with your message. There's something wrong with how you, how you're conveying this message. And personally, I think what, um, and if, and if I go, if I'm, if, if John and John Oliver and all, and all the other main leaders right now who are, who are touting to fund the police, not just the, not just the protesters, but more or less central. A lot of a lot of major figures are telling are saying defund the police is just simple restructuring and not necessarily defunding the entire police department. Then 
I could see that going as like a pilot program in some cities as we do, as Camden did, and it would expand nationally as it would be backed by the federal government or something or something or other as as um, Jacob, if it takes hold. Don't you think there would be um uh, don't you think there would be resistance to a widespread movement with that message in certain states or counties where such such an idea wouldn't be supported? I mean, yes, obviously anything having to do with change is very scary to a lot of people, but the thing is, by and large, American progressives seem to not understand that politics is about branding. Politics is about what you it is about catering to a large audience. You are speaking directly with the American people when you when you make statements like this, and when you're trying to get a message out. And unfortunately, I don't listen. I don't know if something like defund the police. Uh, the ideas behind defund the police, the idea behind Medicare for all, the idea behind abolishing—I don't know if any of the any of the ideas are going to work. But but I do know is that they are never going to get widespread support when they when they convey their messages with like my way or the highway thinking. They're never going to get anywhere when they go when they are when they are so rigid when they're very when they're very much. Um, when they're very much just gonna break everything, break everything, and don't and don't go back. And so that's gonna be it's a major turnoff to a lot of people, and they want and they, if they want stuff to get done, they're gonna have to at least convince the leaders, you know, Pelosi and Clyburn, that you know that their ideas are gonna be worth it. I definitely agree with you, Jacob. That you know, defund the police is definitely something very abstract and something that can have diff- many different meanings. I, what do you think it means? I mean, I agree with uh, John Oliver, John Olivers, and uh, again, I, I I agree that you know rethinking what law enforcement should be doing in a, in a range of what they're meant to deal with is a good idea. As a society, we should take a step back and think: okay, are police needed for domestic disputes? Are they needed for child services? Are they needed for mental are needed for mental health? But again, there needs to be some kind of political strategy behind this, or else it's never going to get done. It will, it will, in America, nothing will ever get done if there's not a decent mar- uh, marketing strategy behind it. No, oh, yeah, I, I agree with that. In other news, um, Trump uh, has removed protections for transgender people uh, for, uh, on uh, health care. So on Friday during, during Pride Month, the Trump administration decided to push back Obama-era regulations and protections for the Affordable Care Act. And many say that the removal of such protections will lead to members of the LGBTQ plus community being denied basic health services. And what Trump's argument was basically was that these protections violated religious freedom. And wait, but Joshua, yes. Joshua, I heard that a lot. Of, a lot of what um, a lot of the a lot of the um, outcry against this move was that not only did this take place during LGBTQ Pride Month. But it's also happened the day of the Pulse nightclub shooting, I believe, four years ago. I mean, why do you think the Trump administration released these rules during that day, during that month, that a day that is in, in the that is searing to the minds of people who have been who have been who have been killed for what for who they lost? Well, honestly, Jacob, I really don't know what was going through the president's mind at the moment. Um... For all we know, it could be a very terrible coincidence. However, for all we know, it could be intentful. I, I we for I would I would definitely never be able to know, and 
unless you get into President Trump's head, I don't think anybody else will be able to know either. But I just find it so, you know, unfortunate that it happened on two key moments of history in LGBTQ history. And let me tell you this, you know, LGBTQ protections and rights have really been recent additions in American law. I mean, legalized marriage wasn't in many states wasn't legalized all that long ago. You know, I find it so unfortunate that the removal of protections for transgender people is being removed. In a way, I even find it slightly regressive. I mean, from what I read, these protect, these uh, removal of these protections, it wasn't just out of the blue, okay, we're putting this, Health and Human Services is putting this out right now, we just got this together. This took, this took place, this was money months in the making. So, but just going back to the branding, it's, 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 it's like before, just like with the, the more very progressive left, the very much nationalist right doesn't seem to understand the notion of optics either. There is a profound lack of, lack of understanding that American politics is not just based off of either mob rule or, um, the, or the silent majority. There isn't, American politics can't properly function like that. It needs to have some sort of structure for it to work properly, to agree upon rules for how the game should be played. I mean, I, I mean, no matter what anyone anyone thinks of these ideas, defund the police, uh, moving protections for gender, transgender patients, these are not good ways to do it. And uh, if you're trying to convince the public, that's good, right? I suppose so. Okay, for our third story of the day, we have uh, three companies: IBM, Amazon, and Microsoft have banned selling facial recognition software to police. Uh, for Amazon, it was uh, they are taking a year-long break. Um, IBM has um, announced that they will stop. Microsoft said they will stop selling that software until there is a national law, quote, grounding human rights, unquote, according to President Brad Smith. And in light of what's going on, it's a very, it's, um, I mean, everyone's now singing their praises, but facial recognition software is now another battleground in the new world of the internet. These companies... Amazon, Microsoft, Facebook even, no matter what they're doing, selling to who, selling where, they're using it for their own services. I have a Microsoft computer and um, I used to do their uh, Windows Hello, their facial recognition tech. And Facebook is part was partnering with the uh, companies to track their uh, their customers They enter stores. And, um, you know, malls have been using it. And this is where it gets really creepy. In China, they must have facial recognition software, in- including with their... Um, WeChat, they're basically Swiss Army Knife app. Chinese government is basically able to use both of those things and basically track whatever their people are doing, track where they're going, track what they like, what they don't like. And with and with their facial recognition software, they're able to you know track wherever they go. And what they do with it is that they basically assign them a score, like a social credit score. And based on that score, Chinese citizens can be can be banned from buying houses, t- uh, buying airline tickets, going to another city, going outside their house, and okay, sorry, sorry, can uh, sorry, and can I could I ask you a question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Let's <laughs> go on a rant here. Uh, so Jacob, you've spoken about you know Chinese uh, use of face recognition to monitor you know c- c- citizens' lives. What domestic implications in the U.S. do you think this would have? I'm not saying that um, now. Here's the thing: I'm all for new technology. I am someone who believes in um, advancing Amer- America, advancing its technological output. 
I'm someone who believes in the free market. I am someone who is very, is very much in favor of um, everyone having a chance to have technology. But the problem is that really what can be done in China can be done in the United States, even if not by government, it can be done by companies. And already we are seeing that um, not even just facial recognition, we are seeing it in the cookies and the other trackers and uh, all the data, all the data Facebook and Amazon and Google have on us. They track our search history, they track our movements, they track our spending habits. They build profiles and adding facial recognition could mean that there's no longer an anonymity at all in the physical world, in the digital world, nothing. And so we value privacy. We value, we, we, as much as we are social beings, we value our privacy. Okay. And so when we take away the privacy in either physical or digital space, we, we are losing a part of ourselves. And not to mention that there's deep fakes. We now have the ability, people have now the ability to manipulate. It could be manipulating elections, provoking, could be provoke wars and the deep fake is good enough. Hell, there's, there's now revenge porn. There is, there are horrible implications for this. And again, I'm all for these technology being tried out and used, but not in ways, but not in ways that can hurt people, not in ways that can completely destroy people's lives. And the problem is you can't stop technology. You can't, you can't stop. You, we, we can't stop people from having 3D printed guns or accessing the deepfake technology. So I could go on, but the, it's just mind boggling that we're cheering on these companies for placing a leave on um, these on face, selling facial recognition software to, to, to the police. Yet we're okay with allowing, we're, we're still, we're still not, we're still not dumping Google, dumping Amazon, dumping YouTube, dumping Facebook for something else. I get it. We all have our lives on there. I have my life on there. I use an Android. I, I have, I use Instagram, but there are substitutes and there are ways to get out of it and ways to minimize their tracking. And I, and I use it and I, and I, and I use it and I encourage people to look up the hated one on YouTube and on mines and on what and on BitChute, I encourage and I encourage people to watch these videos and to get more information about this. This is this is a topic that requires a lot more time time what I'm giving now. One of my rants, but it, it is vital that we get a hold on this as as a society because there is no going back. We are, cannot erase the internet. So once it's out of the box, there's nothing we can do about it. So we just have to be as safe as possible on the internet. Jacob, wouldn't you argue it's already out of the box? Oh, no. Yeah, it's out of the box. I'm just saying that anyone, any attempt to put it back in, so to say, with legal means or by shutting down the internet as Egypt did when they went through the Arab Spring is completely futile because people will always want the internet. That's a good thing. The problem is how will we get smart enough to realize that we need to use it for good? We need to use social media for good, not for evil. Since social media is just a tool. Visual recognition software is just a tool. These are all just tools. They're no, they are no more amazing to us as sticks and stones worth of the cavemen. We seem to know how to use them properly. In other news, uh, Donald Trump has expanded sanctions on the International Criminal Court in response to investigations into uh, alleged war crimes in Afghanistan. He recently signed an executive order. He expanded visa and economic sanctions in the ICC and which the U.S. is not happy to be uh, be a part of. 
This court, in fact, has actually recently started investigating the possible war crimes in the Afghanistan war. And since its founding in 2002, the U.S. has been quite weary of, you know, American military officials being charged and tried in international court where the U.S. really has no pardon. And the Trump administration has also said that military procedures for how to deal with accusations of war crimes committed by U.S. military personnel have been their own. And really uh, what Attorney General William Barr had to say about it, uh, he also reasons that a federal government does not recognize any international criminal court jurisdiction over the U.S. in part because of alleged Russian manipulation of the court. Well, it's important to know that Russia uh, backed out of the uh, treaty. They are not a part of the court now. That's just um, actually on it as a member. I just want to point it out. And also, you know, America is not the only country that has been worried about, you know, what um, the hog is going to do. It's also Israel. It's Russia. It's all it's um, it's all these very controversial countries, with very controversial military records. I mean, I don't know how to feel about this. I mean. Yeah, it's kind of crazy having, you know, our own generals being charged, but in a court we aren't part of, but I don't know, man. I mean, what do, what, what do, you, what do you think about this? You know, Jacob, it's strange. You know, in A-Push, how we learned about how, <laughs> with Kevin in, uh, uh, in the 1800s, how we learned about how America was gaining confidence in itself with the Monroe Doctrine. Right. And it was kind of asserting itself as, you know, its own power individual of, you know, different influence. And I kind of see that in a way reflected in this new measure. The U.S. is kind of uh, rejecting, you know, international participation within its politics and within its, you know, military. And it wants to be, it wants to kind of act on itself all by its own, kind of similar to, you know, what happened with the Monroe Doctrine, where it didn't want any uh, influence in the Western Hemisphere. So that's just a connection that I kind of thought of. So Joshua, you, uh, you wrote down a question of the day. What What is it? So just for, you know, just for fun for both of us, what would, if you were president, what would you, what would be the first perk of the presidency that you would make the most of if you became president for a day? I'd say the movie theater. You can watch whatever movie you want in a comfortable private theater. I mean, you know, I, I, I mean, if I, were, if I were president, um, I would definitely try to see, you know, the unreleased films that haven't quite come out yet, but you know, they're getting there. Um, I mean, you know, there's so many, you know, currently there's so many movies on the back burner. Right now, they had to push the release dates because of pandemic. So if I were president, I'd, I'd probably, uh, you know, in between fighting COVID and, uh, and solving the next major technological or national crisis, I just want to sit back and try to see if I can get a tenant for free. <laughs> Wait, how do you, wait, uh, does the president really get precedent in terms of, you know, getting uh, movies that are early before uh, release? I don't know for sure, but hey, it's the president. I mean, what would, what would you do? You know, I love history. You know that I love history through and through. Breathe, live, love. And, you know, the president resides in the White House which is only slightly younger than the history of our own country. I believe George Washington was the only president to not actually live in the White House. And, you know, if I lived in the White House, I'd be surrounded by so much history. I would be sitting in the Oval Office where so many crucial decisions have been made that have decided the fate of our country. Um, You know, sleeping in the bedroom where so many of our presidents, you know, have been and uh, eating where so many presidents have ate and, uh, 
really cherishing all the history, all the paintings throughout the years. And, uh, you know, that would be pretty awesome. Yeah, that would be awesome. All right. So we've gone, we've gone through rants about politics to rants about the future of technology to uncertainty about, uh, international affairs or, um, or, uh, civil rights. So it has been quite a show today, Joshua. I agree with you, Jacob. All right. So that concludes this episode. You know, we now have social media. We have our uh, Gen Zero's Talk Politics now has an Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And uh, we'll be posting announcements, polls, questions on those uh, platforms. And if you want to get involved with the podcast, if you want to shape the direction of what we're doing, I encourage you to follow us on any of those platforms. You know, tell us what you think. Give us feedback. We, we want to know what you guys think. that concludes this episode of Gen Zers Talk Politics. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast hosts and send us questions about anything regarding the news, because your questions make this show. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you next time.